Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Chatisfaction. It's me, Sam. And I'm Keith. Nice. You should know that part by now. We nailed it, right? Yeah, we totally nailed it. So that was not our first try. And the first try, we didn't nail it. Mm-hmm. But that, that first try has already been deleted, and no one will ever get to hear it. That first try was comedy gold, though. It was so funny. But you can't duplicate those things, you know? It's true. I would never try to. I would never ask you to. That's why stand-up comedians do completely different sets every night. Do you ever, like, do something funny? And then someone else, like, just wants you to do it immediately again for someone else who didn't just witness it. Mm -hmm. Do you hate that? Is that Um, a pet peeve of yours? No, because I love being funny so much. Yeah. That when someone does that, then it's like, oh, sweet. They think I'm funny. But it's definitely not as fun. Like... I I like to make jokes in the moment, and so when the moment has passed, even if you make a joke and someone doesn't hear you, and they're like, what did you say? Then it's like mm. repeating the joke is already not as interesting as the first yeah. time you say it. That, that I'm fine with, but like when I do something, most of the time it's just in the moment funny because I'm not, I can't be planned funny because I'm not that funny. Right. I just do silly things sometimes. But yeah, when someone tries to to recreate a moment that was spontaneous and then asks me to do it again, I just kind of feel like I'm not your fucking entertainment monkey here. You know what I mean? But then you do it. No, I don't. You don't? No. You just say no and walk away? Yeah. Sometimes I'll try to make them tell it. I'll be like, no, you tell well, the story of what I just said. Yeah. No, I don't just say no and walk away. First, I grab a cigarette from my cigarette pouch and I put it in my mouth and I light that sucker. And then I look at him, blow smoke in their face, and I go, no. And I throw the fucking cigarette at him. Nice. Look it. Very right in nice. Fucking face. Right in their stupid fucking face. And I say, no. I like it. And then I walk away. It makes sense, you know? To me, it does. It's also why I'm not good at making friends, probably. So you do, that to, you do that to total strangers? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a bad idea. Yeah. But maybe total strangers should stop asking a stranger to do stuff. Yeah, but they're just trying to make friends, probably. Like, they probably didn't think it was that funny in the first place. They're just, they're trying, they're going over the top to try to make friends. But you're well, I want that. fake friends. Yeah, you want. But it's not fake. Like, everybody has, like, you know, good presentation version of themselves versus, uh, you know, true themselves. Mm-hmm. And we can't be true mm-hmm. us all the time. You got to put on a face every once in a while. Yeah. I just don't like doing that. I try to be my truest self. Now I'm actually really talking about this. Right. I, try to be my I, I know you self. don't actually flick cigarettes in people's faces. Yeah, I just I, I don't want you to think I'm still shitting right on that bull. Um I try to be my truest self these days as much as I can just to cut the BS. But I never really get into a situation where it's like I should be friendly with this person because it would benefit me later. Maybe I'll start to get in those situations when I move. 
yeah but probably be a I little friendlier also think it's it's shitty to do it only because it might benefit you later um like you should well it's like if i Sorry. I think if I'm at a new job and I, I'm like meeting new coworkers and stuff, I should be friendly to those people. Oh yes, absolutely. Even if I don't really want to be. Yeah, but you like, you want to build good relationships with those people. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But even then, even if you meet someone and you can confidently, like, say you're at a fucking layover in an airport and mm. you run into someone, like you know, it's almost impossible you'll ever see that person again. Like. I still think there should be a degree of kindness you put forth that might be yeah. more kind than you actually feel like being, but just mm-hmm. because that like people should treat each other well. And it's once you know someone very well that I think you don't have to put forth extra kindness because like they, they know you. And so they know that if you're not super upfront and kind, it doesn't mean you're a jerk. It just means you don't feel like that, you know? Yeah. But I think kindness sort of strangers is important. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I run around like not being kind to people just because I don't like people. I don't know. But what? I've you seen, don't know? I've seen you uh, order pizza and you always take the box and say, here's your tip. And then you just give them the finger every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's also how I tip at restaurants. Yeah, and it's really awkward at restaurants because you always you usually for do it before they take your cards. So then we have to sit there and wait. Yeah, yeah. And I hate exactly. it when you do that. That's why I moved. That makes sense, I guess. That would be amazing if that was the only reason why you moved. It's like I can't, <laughs> I can't stop being friends with this man, but I can't go out to eat with him anymore. And it's like all we do together. <laughs> I love this. I love El Caporal where we go get Mexican food, but they are starting to hate us there because Keith yeah. always tips with a middle finger. <laughs> and I always pretend to, th- to not know they don't have Coke. It's my favorite like little thing that you do. I know. You go there. I, I do it mostly for you. Yeah. That, that being said, if I go without you, I'll still do it. But even then, I'm kind of doing it for you still because yeah. uh, I do it for Roger too. Roger loves it. Or yeah. Roger likes it. I don't know if he loves it as much as you. But it's such a, like, it is a thing you do every single time. But I, it's so little that I forget about it every time. So when you do it, I just immediately laugh. That's the fun of it at this point since I'm, you know, only in Richmond like once a year. Is uh, doing it and then watching, like, the table try to keep their shit together. Yeah. Because everyone forgets I'm going to do it. Yeah. Or you, you'll look at me right when they say, and for you, you'll just look at me with this glare of like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's about, like, you'll remember right then. I feel like I see it in your eyes sometimes where you're yeah. like, oh, Sam's going to ask for a Coke, even though he knows since high school they don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sweet moment when they transitioned. <laughs> I remember it well. Oh, uh, is Pepsi okay? Yeah. Um. The guy who creates our menu for our restaurant, I feel like the last four times he's come up to like do new menu stuff, every single time he's like, and yeah, like Coke's being really shady. So we were thinking about switching to Pepsi. And I was like, please don't do that. I can't have Mountain Dew just in front of me all day, every day (laughs) for free. Don't do it. But I think it'd be super hilarious if they did it like right before I moved. 
That'd be like, that'd I was, be Jason's I, like last ditch effort. Yeah, it would. It would. Uh, that would be like. I survived this place for 14 years and you guys did it right at the exact right time. I I would quit. Like I, I can't do it. You know? <laughs> and it's not like, I'd be like, look, I love you guys. Like I respect you. Like you've, you've been good to me, but I cannot do this. This is toxic. This is like being in a relationship with someone that you know is bad for you that's my relationship with Mountain Dew. And if you're giving it to me on tap for free all the time, every day, it's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be good. I'm with you. It'd be so like me getting a job at Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Like sure. It'd be great for a little while and then I would die. Right. Exactly. Especially if they got Mountain Dew on tap too. Oh God. They have the, the best kind of Mountain Dew. Is Baja Blast your favorite kind of Mountain Dew? Baja Blast is my favorite. It's one of my favorite sodas, but it's absolutely, I think it's better than regular Mountain Dew. Really? Oh, 100%. But part of it is the exclusivity. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm just being honest. The exclusivity makes it, helps it achieve a higher level. Yeah. I like it a lot. and I, I think I liked it. I don't like it as much as I used to, though. I mostly don't like it because I have to go to Taco Bell to get it. And then it entices me to get food that I don't See, want. And I think it pairs so expertly well with Taco Bell that it mm-hmm. makes it even better. That's the thing. Every time I drink it, I'm also eating Taco Bell and it's, it's amplified by that. So it just goes up and up and up. Yeah. What are some of your, of your other favorite sodas? Um, I really love vanilla Coke. Um, Is vanilla Coke your favorite? Vanilla Coke is probably my favorite soda. Hmm. If I had to pick just one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really love Vanilla Coke. I had some earlier today at the movies. Oh, where? Which movie did you go see? Oh, we saw Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Mm, how was that? Um, it was fine. Um, yeah. I We definitely, like, I went in knowing to have relatively low expectations, which I think was a good thing. Um. It was, uh, the world is super cool, like really cool aliens and just a lot of cool shit. It's just, the it, it wasn't like, the story wasn't grounded at all. Like at no mm-hmm. point did I, that I feel the stakes, like whether they were emotional stakes or like loss of life stakes or action. Like it was just really hard to ever like feel c- committed to whatever was happening. Um, but I still enjoyed watching everything that happened. Yeah. 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 I really just visually a really, really cool movie. Um, it did really good world building and stuff. Um, we saw it in 3d too, which I really liked. Tessa hated the 3d. Um, JW liked the 3d too. I didn't really hear what my dad had to say. That's the thing. JW's wanted to see this with, with us, uh, like since it was announced. So we went and saw it today. That's cool. Little family affair. Yeah. We did all my dad and Tessa. What did everybody else think? Um, about the same. Um, aside from like, yeah, Tessa really hated the 3D. Um, so I think she probably didn't really like the visuals in general of it because she was very distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy behind us who I'm pretty sure just brought a bag of plastic 
to eat for the entire movie. Um, <laughs> and it just sounded like someone unwrapping a, you know, a box of snow caps for two hours. Like they'd never stopped crinkling. Yeah. Um, at one point I turned around and stared at him and it looked like he had a bunch of individually wrapped items he was eating and it was just horrible. Yeah. That sounds like the first time I went to go see the first Avengers film. Really? And next to us were two larger people and they honest to God brought like a whole picnic with him. Um, and they were like, it was annoying because it's distracting obviously. And like everyone's super hyped for this movie is like, this is where I feel like comic book films really changed with it, with the first Avengers. Right. Um, and it was amazing. And it, just imagine like being so enthralled and then being so distracted by like, like you said, like crinkling paper and like bags of Doritos being just like devoured. And they just had like so much shit and they were so annoying too. They talked through the whole movie. It's one of those people that like had, they had to like comment on every little thing. Like, at the very end credits, it's super obvious that Thanos is like the dude and he's like sitting in the chair and stuff. Um, and they're doing the thing where it's like build up and they're going to show you who it is. He's got his back turned and they're, they're like shouting out who they think it is. And they're like Galactus. And I'm like, what? You know, you're a nerd. You know what you're doing. That is not like Galactus in any way. You know, Galactus always sits in a chair next to another human, a human sized yeah. person. Uh, actually, you know, Galactus is like a fucking cloud, to, uh, planet eating thing from the second Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. Galactus is a cloud, you poser. <laughs> yeah, what you should have said. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it sucks getting stuck with people like that. Yeah, so I've had when relatively we... good movie theater experiences. The last like four movies I've seen. Yeah. I've had decent luck. Um, when we saw Guardians 2, there was this couple that wouldn't stop talking throughout all the trailers. And it was like, Mm-mm. you know, I always want to yell at people even during the trailers. But it's like, no, like, you know, people have different rules. But as long as they stop when the movie starts, like, then we'll be okay. And the movie started and they didn't stop talking. It was like this young couple. Like, they had to be less than 20, I think. Um, maybe 21. But... uh I I did what I always think about doing and never actually do. I got up and went like there were a couple seats over from me and I mm-hmm. just like wiggled my over and I was like, can you guys please stop talking or at least try to be like, keep it down. Um, and they said, yeah. And they didn't make a single peep the rest of the movie. Yeah. And cool. I, I was pretty happy about it, but that's the thing. I get so nervous before I do it. And then I'm nervous afterwards that I end up missing like a five minute, 10 minute window of the movie. Cause I'm just like, panicking yeah well because like you don't want to be it in moments like that you're like am i fucking a boring adult now like am i playing mom and dad in these moments and like you totally are but fuck them they deserve it like you're going to the movies you have to be respectful of other people that are there to see oh, the yeah, I, well. I don't think that's a mom and dad kind of thing like i'm yeah. you know i'm paying like if tess and i go see a movie like we love fucking snacks and popcorn and stuff we're spending at least we're spending probably 40 dollars if we're at the movie theater And it's not so that we can have other people talk over a movie next to us. Like it's because we want to eat all the snacks and drink expensive sodas and watch a giant movie that we can't see at home. Um, So I know I, I don't think that's 
that's being a boring adult. I think that's 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 being a respectful human. Um, yeah, and you know, not being respectful is childish, but I don't think it means that being respectful is boring. Yeah. What movie was it I saw recently where it might have been Wonder Woman where there was a young couple sitting next to us and they were like snickering and sneering at every little thing in the movie. I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Like, we we don't need your commentary on this movie. I didn't come here for the R. Kelly commentary track as I watched whatever masterpiece is unfolding in front of me. See, this is the part Can where I got in the closet. Mm-hmm. Now I get in the closet. Did you hear that he's trapping a nineteen-year-old now, dude? Apparently he's, he's got, trapping him hard. Yeah, he's got like a little sex cult. Yeah, I read that article. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's um, crazy. He's like fifty years old now. But even yeah, just he like sort of kidnaps and brainwashes ladies to yeah do his sexual bidding. Um, apparently the video that they released with the girl on it saying that like, he didn't kidnap me. I'm here of my own free will, uh, is like real shady. Cause she's like clearly looking off screen the whole time at someone else. And that, that person has to be like, you better say what I wrote on these fucking cue cards, bitch. Or I'm gonna fucking end you. Or she just has like Stockholm syndrome. Like, you know, obviously they're not kidnapped to the point where they're like locked in cages, but they're psychologically yeah like restrained and so recording a video that says she's here on her own free will like is not it's not outside of the realm of making sense with that psychological component yeah so bizarre he's still he's still at it good old r kelly you would think that like having enough attention for that would make you just kind of want to like step away you know yeah, but that's the thing it. with weirdo sex people is that they can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I just distracted myself and found a gift that I'm going to send to you, and it's not going to make for a good podcast, but it's a really amazing Overwatch highlight. Okay. Um, well, you can keep talking as I watch this. So I haven't played much Overwatch lately, but the uh, summer games start on Tuesday. So I think I'm going to try to play those. They start on Tuesday? Yeah. And Is I'm it going to be that. like all the same rewards and skins and stuff? Um, so it's all the same stuff plus like 40 new rewards. Um, okay. And all the old stuff that's summer game specific is purchasable and it's not extra. It's It costs the normal amount as regular skins. Um, so that means that like Genji Japan skin is only mm-hmm. a thousand coins. Oh. Um, did you watch that highlight? It's like going really slow right now. Oh. I don't know why it's going so slow. Try re- reloading it. Um, I'm just going to describe the highlight to our fans. It's uh, it's Anna. Ha- the sniper has an ability where she shoots a sleep dart at someone. And it makes them fall unconscious, and uh, or it makes them fall asleep. And so she shoots this character as he's jumping, and he falls asleep in the sky. And then Anna spray paints a pillow on the ground, and he falls perfectly on the pillow as he's asleep <laughs> and it's just really beautiful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that part of it. 
um, that's it then. Just uh, him. Yeah. He his head lands on it so perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't played Overwatch in a very long time either. I've been playing mostly Splatoon, which is super great. Which, yeah, let's talk about that. So on the Wii U, Splatoon came out. I got it, mm. loved it, begged you to get it, and you wouldn't get it. Um, it why, a bad time for Why me. didn't you get it? It was a bad time for me because I was hard into Destiny. Okay. Like, and when you're playing Destiny, it's really hard to give time to anything else because there's Destiny things happening. So, like, there's always a loot grind, and then there's raids, and there's all kinds of stuff that you want to do with your with your other people that play it. Because if you don't do it when everyone is online doing it, then it's really hard to convince them to do it later in the week when you have time. Because they've already done it. There's, like, weekly unlocks, right? Right. And then if they're doing it again, it's purely just to get you through it. They get they They don't get rewards for, like... You don't get rewards again for doing a raid multiple times in a week. You just get right. it one, one time. Um so it's hard. It's really hard. Do to... you get nothing, or you don't get anything interesting? You get basically nothing because like you don't the get only regular things... loot pulls or XP. Like I, having never played Destiny, I don't exactly. Know you get how XP works. for sure, um, but there are no loot pulls because if there were, then people would just grind them endlessly. If there were any sort of loot pull. Um, so yeah, the the ra- and the raids you don't want to grind them anyway. Like they're really well designed, but they're super long, and they're very draining to play because they require intense uh, communication and and whatever. We don't have to get into the thing about Destiny, but that's why. Like other than I just don't like the Wii U as a machine itself. I don't like playing it. I don't like operating it. I don't like the controllers at all. Um, we you know we might just disagree on this one. I think we do. I uh, I love the, the Switch Wii. is far better though. Wouldn't you agree? Um, they're different. As a gaming machine, though, I love the fucking Switch, and I like holding it. I like all the accessories for it. Um, it's just a way better. It's like way snappier. It's a way better machine than the Wii U by far. I'm not it- sure. Um. I no, I so I I will agree with you on most I'll agree that the Switch is better than the Wii U. Round mm-hmm. roundabout I agree the Switch is better than the Wii U. But I think playing a game I think holding the Wii U gamepad is more comfortable than holding the Switch itself. Um But I also like that the Wii U gamepad had a D pad on it. Um mm-hmm. so when I was playing like Mario Maker and stuff, I would use that. Um, the D-pad thing, like that, is the most common and first thing people go to when we're talking about the Switch. Has never bothered me. Never bothered me. Like the way the buttons are laid out, I don't even think about it. I just use it like a D-pad. See, I've never even i've i've like i've not had a chance to really try to play a game that I would really want a D-pad for. Like I haven't gotten Shovel Knight or anything on it because it doesn't have one. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm just saying these aren't like huge like deal breakers or anything um obviously the switch's screen is way better than the wii u gamepad screen was i just the the basic concept of the wii u the two screens was really cool and the few times it was actually utilized was a ton of fun Mm -hmm. um but not many people utilize it that well but even for splatoon like playing splatoon uh, with the wii u gamepad uh was better than playing on the switch because 
you could at a instantaneous glance, like even just periphery, you could see how your team was doing. You could see the paint and everything. You could see where your teammates were. You could just tap the screen super fast to teleport to them. Like you can still do all that in Splatoon 2, but it takes a little bit more effort and a little bit more mental transition than just sort of keeping this other screen in your eyesight. Yeah. That's something that factors in for you because you played the first one and I didn't. So I don't think about that as being like an extra additive layer. It just is the way the game is to me. Yeah. Um, but no, it is Splatoon 2 so far. I'm loving it. I've, I've barely played it. I'm really excited you like it so much. Harris is also, he and Aaron are playing like crazy. Um, mm. And uh, he didn't play the one on the Wii. He said that they're like kicking themselves for not playing the Wii U one now because of how much they like this one. Um, but no, I've barely, I've only played it a little bit. Um, I'm uh, I'm awful at it. I'm really, I'm really want to try to stick to the motion controls to actually get good with them. Because that's mm. what like every pro Splatoon player says you have to use motion controls. Um, yeah, they all use them, and so I'm trying to, but it's just like it's so weird because like the the right thumbstick works, but it only works for left and right. It doesn't work for up and down. So like yeah. you rotate your view with that, but you can't like I was hoping it'd be more like Breath of the Wild, where you aim with it and then fine tune with the motion controls. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, and so. I've been playing with the uh, with the two Joy Cons in my hands, like separate, and uh, and aiming just with my right hand, like motion control is pretty neat. Yeah, um, I tried that for a little bit. I'm not good at it either. I'm way better with the controller. Like I do, I do far better with the Pro controller. And see, part of it for me is that I've gotten so out of practice playing shooters on consoles at all that I'm pretty terrible with a controller too. So it's like I might as well try to learn this motion control thing because I'm not going to, even if I use the pro controller, I'm not going to play that well. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of, I'm like decided like if I'm going to try to build up a skill, I want to try to build up the motion control skill just to see if I can. Yeah. I might come back to it later and fuck with it. But for now, um, I have the most fun when I'm playing with the pro controller. Yeah. Um, Video games aren't about fun, Keith. They're about Poning and noobs. It's true. And if you're not pro, why are you playing? Uh, so you you started on the Wii U, Wii U and loved it. Uh, did you play a lot of it then? I played a decent amount. And then Tessa actually got super into it and played it all the time. And then mm. uh, her brother and his fiance got a Wii U used. And it came with Splatoon. And so then uh, they would play all the time. They would like Skype each other. And play a bunch, and I would every once in a while come play with them. Um, but part of it, we we test and I like shared an account, and she got way way better than me. And so mm-hmm. when I would play, I would get matched up in these games where I just was horrible, like compared to the other players. Um, yeah. And it sort of like it made it less fun because I didn't want I didn't want to bring down Tessa's score and just get my ass kicked all the time. Um, and so I'm kind of excited with the switch. Like you can have different profiles and switch between them easily. Um, so I am going to get to maintain my own terrible score. Yeah. Me as well. Um, so were you, having played the first one and now playing this one, uh, what do you like about it? Is there anything you like about it over the first one? Or are there any significant changes that you like at all? 
I don't think there's really any significant changes. Like it just feels a little bit more polished. Um, mm-hmm. When the first one came out, it was very bare bones, and yeah. they updated it very frequently, which is really cool. But it definitely did not come out as a full blown game. Like it, it came out, it came out just had uh, what uh, turf war, mm-hmm. which is where you try to lay down the most ink. It just had that mode. And it didn't have a ton of weapons or outfits or anything. And then they slowly released more and more. And then they released the competitive mode. And then they released, like, you know, the Rainmaker and, like, a bunch of different things. And so it slowly turned into a more full, like, fleshed-out game. Whereas this one, I think, is much more realized already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, basically, they were just working on Splatoon 1 and at a certain point, you know, cut it off. Cut off their updates to start saving them up for Splatoon 2. Because um, it's definitely not... Like, it's almost more like Splatoon 1.5, you know. Um, there's a few little differences. I played in the demo the uh, the dual dualies, like the, the mm-hmm. dual pistols, and I really like that because they give you that, like, mobility. Um, have you messed with them at all? Not really. I'm using something called an arrow spray. Gotcha. Well, the dualies let you uh, roll, like, left and right and forward and backward. Um, oh, cool! And it's really like I really liked doing it in the demo, and so I'm I'm about to unlock them when I get level three or whatever. And uh, I, I think I really want to try to play with those because I, I I liked that sort of I, I feel kind of slow in the game a lot, so being able to dash around I like that would be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't like I fooled around with a bunch of weapons and the arrow spray was the one that I was, have been doing the best with. So I've just been sticking with that for a while. Um, I think Splatoon two, like my impressions of it and having not played the first one is it's a really unique and great, uh, multiplayer shooter and a good alternative. If you're kind of sick of all the other tried and true multiplayer shooters, um, because it's not really about, killing the other teammate team members even though that is advantageous to do so because it stops them from advancing uh, it's more about uh painting more of the battlefield than the other team does uh it's so, called the splattlefield by the way the splattlefield yeah uh and so you are like these kids that are also squids they're kids and they're squids uh i think that was a song from the first one right it's kid squids yeah, the kids, their kids, and their squids. I don't think um, so. Anyway, uh, at any point, Keith, any that wasn't it... a song. Okay, I believe you. The only song I remember goes like this: and it was good, but it didn't have any lyrics. So you play these kids and you can, at, at at the push of a button, you hold a button down and you turn into a squid and you can start swimming around the map. If you're in your own paint, you move really quickly and you can also like hide in there and, and ambush players. Um, if you're in en- the enemy's paint, you move really slow and you're really at a disadvantage. So you want to cover as much of the floor and paint as you can. Uh, you get like special moves and uh, like different types of grenades and stuff as well um i've only played turf war and it's i think it's the only thing that's available to me right now until i'm level 10 uh i did some of the Splatfest too this weekend and we can kind of explain what that is in a minute but um 
Yeah, I've only done Turf War, which is just painting the battlefield. I don't know what other game modes are in it yet. Um, and I've played a little bit of the Horde mode Salmon Run, which I liked. I think it's kind of weird that it's only open during certain times, though. Like yeah, I, The first weird. time I went there and it was closed, I was like, what the fuck? Why? Um, I don't understand this, the decision behind it, but it is, it's fun. Um, and... Yeah, I like I like the game. The only thing that I don't like about it, um, and I know this is just distinguishes it from other shooters, is I would I would really like to fully customize my loadout for playing uh, multiplayer because I like certain guns, but I I don't like what grenades and uh, supers they're paired with sometimes. I think uh, I, I think that a lot of that comes down to balance, though, too. Like. Yeah, they'll make more powerful weapons with less powerful uh, secondary and ults, um, and it helps yeah. keep it balanced. Otherwise, you know, everyone would sort of use like this way. I like because some people might really want a particular ult, and so they're willing to use a different weapon for it, and so it mm-hmm. forces some more variety. But I think if you could customize your loadout completely, I think we'd see a lot of the exact same loadout. Yeah. I think so too, because there there were a, de- a meta would develop and it would be annoying like other shooters. But, yeah. Um. So like that doesn't really upset me at all. Like it doesn't hinder my enjoyment enjoyment of the game. Uh. But it is something that I kind of just like knee jerk as someone who's played shooters before. Really, uh, wished for. Right. But like I said, I understand why they don't do that. Um. So yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. What are the things Good. you're enjoying about it? Um, you, you took place in the Splatfest? What's a Splatfest? You could probably describe it more than I can. Well, first let me mention um, that... Oh, I, I just wanted to say I one thing that's thrown me off is I've gotten so used to playing Overwatch that uh, I'm not used to losing my ult when I die. And so mm-hmm. multiple times yesterday when I was playing, I would run up and go to use my ult and then realize that I lost it because I had died earlier. Yeah. Um, but, uh, a splat fest basically is when the game says it makes you pick between a and B. So like last Splatoon one, they had a bunch of different ones. They actually had Autobots versus Decepticons. I thought was pretty amazing. Um, awesome. They like partnered, uh, for it. They, uh, so it's like everybody picks a side and they give you your character a t-shirt to represent their side. And then for 24 hours, like there's like a week of lead up where everyone picks their side. And then there's this 24 hour window where you, if you choose to play the Splatfest and can you play regular, um, turf war during Splatfest or do you have to play Splatfest? I can't remember. I, I don't know. Cause I just went to Splatfest. I didn't explore right. to see if you could, but basically you play and you represent your team. And so then when all is said and done, they break it down into, I think, three categories. The vote, so whichever percentage got the most votes, or whichever the two sides got the most votes, and then whichever the two side won the most solo online games, and then whichever the two sides won the most group online games. Um, And so this first inaugural Splatfest was Ketchup versus Mayonnaise. Uh, I rightfully chose Team Ketchup. Uh, you fucking fool. And Team Mayo all the way. Yes, Keith and one of our loyal listeners, Harris, you piece of dirt, also chose Team Mayonnaise. 
Um, and ketchup got far more votes. I think it was like 73% of the votes went to yeah. ketchup, but Mayo won uh, more of the matches. Um, but it was wonky because uh, I was on team ketchup and I ended up playing a lot of games against other team ketchupers. Um, and I would imagine it's because, you know, they outnumbered the Mayo players three to one. So they didn't want mm-hmm. people just waiting there, um, which I get. But I don't know if it's the right solution because I, I like logged on being excited about the Splatfest. And so it wasn't that much fun. I feel like I was just skirmishing most of the time. Yeah. Um, one thing, so this was new to Splatoon 2 that I really, really liked is that this was ketchup versus mayonnaise. And in the Splatfest games, they made your ink either ketchup or mayonnaise. Um, and that was super cool. They didn't do anything like that in Splatoon 1. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that I would, cool. I'd yeah. love if they keep doing liquid based splat, <laughs> splat fests so they can keep doing yeah. it. Um, I mean, even so, like, I feel like even if you did an Autobots and Decepticons, you could do a, a color palette for just that. Just like, like red and they, blue or something like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, that that was neat. I just assumed that was kind of all. They all went. They yeah. all had. Yeah. New thing. And I liked it because it was really gross. Because mayonnaise is <laughs> yeah, fucking it was, disgusting. It was kind of gross. But I love mayonnaise. So let's talk about that. Uh, why do you think ketchup is better than mayonnaise? Because I think mayonnaise is disgusting. And you I, just don't and like I, mayonnaise. And I, and, I, and I like ketchup okay. It's not that I fucking love ketchup. It's just that mm. I think mayonnaise is absolutely disgusting. And I think ketchup is, uh, is a condiment that I enjoy using every once in a while. Is ketchup your favorite condiment? I mean, condiment's a big, like... <sighs> That's a big question. Um, no, I'm going to definitely say no ketchup's not my favorite. Um, and you know, I, this isn't like favorite. This isn't every day. Like I wouldn't keep a bottle of this for everything, but I think a one might be my favorite condiment. Hmm. Um, a one when I enjoy it, it is like the highest pleasure. I love a one. That is interesting. I do not like a one in any way, shape or form. Not even on your uh, fucking pizza crust? No. It would ruin pizza crust for me. Pizza crust ruins itself? Pizza cut does pizza crust does not ruin itself. Pizza crust is delish. And uh, I don't know what it is about A1 that I was expecting from it, but just, I don't know. I'd always had steaks just with no sauce forever. And then A1 always looked like the sort of thing that's like, I could add that to this and it would probably be better. And so I don't know what I, what flavor profile it's expecting the first time I had A1, but it was not what I got. It's a very yeah. intense flavor. Yeah. Like a, It's like putting a like a dill pickle on a cookie. Like it's It takes over the flavor. Um, yeah. And that's the argument I've it, heard against A1 is people are like, Oh, it, you know, you know, you barely taste the steak. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, cause yeah. I like a one so much, uh, that I'll get the meaty, delicious texture of a steak slathered in a super, you know, I don't even know what you call it. Salty tastiness of a one. Yeah. Um, so a one's up even, there. I, 
I think it's sweet though. Like that's what that's what bothers me about it is there's some sweetness to it that I don't like. Only a little. It's mostly that like tangy, like salty tangy flavor. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time you give a one another try. I don't think so. I think I like steak the way it tastes. Ugh, I like the taste of steak. Such a man, especially when someone cooks it right. Um, Jimmy's like, getting a, like a sous vide machine. I'm excited about that. A sous vide machine? Yeah. Smoothie machine. Sous vide. Sous vide. Yeah. What is that? Um, I'll explain in a minute. Were you about to? You're about to say how you like steaks cooked, and I feel like I'm not gonna like the answer. Um. Well, I was I was gonna say, especially when they're cooked right, namely when I cook them. But what temp is that? Medium. Okay, that's acceptable. Yeah. It's just well, honestly, like I just don't understand people eat their steaks well done. Um, I you know I have a hard time with medium well, but even then, like as long as there's a little bit of pink still left in there. Yeah, I can't handle mid rare, or even like especially not rare for sure. Yeah, it's I, just the texture. I, I like. like I like somewhere in the medium to medium rare department and the problem is like often when you ask for medium rare i feel like it's a little bit too rare um and so i have i'm learning i think to go medium but yeah i just like i like my steak to be nice and juicy and have some good pink in there still um but anyway sous vide machine is uh it's like a water circulator and Mm -hmm. it gets the water to like an exact temperature and then you put meat raw meat in a uh, freezer in a, in a vacuum sealed bag and you cook it in the water and it mm-hmm. cooks meat like perfectly. Cause you can like set it to an exact temperature. And then basically for like steaks, you take them out and then you just like flash, uh, sear them to get some like good texture on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then they're like amazingly cooked steaks. So you're just cooking it to an internal temperature yeah. and then just, basically searing the outside just for texture yeah interesting uh, but you can cook a lot of stuff in the sous vide and it's all supposed to be really really good like melted cheese <laughs> uh, i like that here keith tell us that joke is it a joke no but did you like my callback yeah um yeah, no, I don't think you cook melted cheese in a sous vide machine. Damn, I don't want one then. It's not. It's not like I think. Are you thinking of like a double boiler, like for fondue and stuff? Um, no. Well, I think the way you're describing it is the water heats up, and then you put stuff that's wrapped in like airtight plastic in it. Yeah. So I was thinking, you just put a block of cheese in there put it in the water yeah i mean you could do that actually it'd be interesting like to try to make it like to a pour over cheese topping or something yeah i like the idea i bet you could that's the thing is you couldn't do anything that involves any sort of mixing like it would have to just be you'd have to just leave it in there um the yeah. machine itself by the way it's like a cylinder it's like a tube that goes in a big thing of water and it recirculates the water um so that's like, it's not like a big box or pot. Like you can sort of sous vide. Uh, and that's one of its advantages is you can just do it in like a big tub, like a plastic tub on your counter. Like you don't need to do it on the stovetop or anything like that. 
Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to look that up when we're done. Yeah. Um, I've had, I think, one steak cooked sous vide style at a restaurant, and it was fan-fucking-tastic. Do they use a shit at restaurants? Oh, yeah. That's It used to basically only be like a top, uh, like, fancy cooking tool, but they've started making home devices. It's a hmm. French word. It's spelled S-O-U-V-E. Wait. I'm ch- I'm checking. It's okay. pronounced it's spelled S O U S space or dash V I D E. Mhm. vide. And you have to put your pinky in there when you say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um yeah, I'll look that up. I've never heard of that. That sounds awesome. Well, from Wikipedia it says that the method was first described by Benjamin Thompson count rumford in 1799 it was rediscovered by american and french engineers in the mid-1960s and developed an industrial food preservation method the method was hmm. adopted by george prelude in 1974 for his restaurant in france and he discovered that when foie gras was cooked in this manner it kept its original appearance did not lose excess amounts of fats and had a better texture um this isn't interesting. I thought it might be, but I was going just live, you know? Yeah. Um, so you can either use like a Ziploc bag and you put the meat in and then you like put the bag in the water and let the water squeeze all of the air out basically. Or yeah. you can like, if you're going to do it a lot, you can buy like a vacuum sealer. Um, I think we'll just start with the, the air displacement technique, but I've always, I've always been interested in one. Um, and Jimmy's going to get one, so we'll get to see what it's like. Is it expensive? Um, they're like 200 bucks. So it's not, they're not cheap, but they're not like, you can buy a lot more expensive kitchen equipment out there. I still want that $5,000 orange juicer that we saw at that restaurant that one time. Oh, Silver yeah. Grill. Yeah, that thing's amazing. I can't believe how expensive that thing is. Yeah, it's absurd. I feel like... And, you know, I'm sure plenty of people say something else. I feel like I could make it for less than $5,000. Yeah. You know? I definitely don't need one as big as they had. They just made a smaller one. But I think that's the thing. It's like we looked it up while we were there. The smallest one that you could find was $5,000. Yeah, I think the one they had was like $25,000. Yeah. It's crazy, but that thing looked awesome. It's like the Willy Wonka of fucking orange juicing. Yeah, it was like the Gumbotron. It was it was like a gimmick gumball machine, but for making orange juice. Yeah, I just wish it had made the sound effects that were like bing bong, bing bong, bing bang, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, and then it went <laughs> ding. Orange juice <laughs> done. Yeah, you had to hear it four times because we all got orange. Yeah. Juice. God, that'd be so awful. Bing bong, bing bang, mm. bing bong, 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 bing bong, ding. Because <laughs> we we're, we're also sitting right next to it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun the first time, and then I would have been done with it by the time we were getting ready to leave. Okay, the small one I found is only $3,000. Oh, shit. So we better start pulling that money. I'm putting that on my Amazon wish list. The Zoom X. Man, it's so crazy. 
I want it, and I don't drink orange juice that often. I love orange juice, and I would especially love it if I got it from fresh squeezed oranges at will. From a robot? Yeah. And then I'll just get you to program it to go. (laughs) Deal. I feel like you could do that at this point. I'll commission you. I'll pay you. Yeah, just pay me in one juicer. I might require one Zumex Minex orange Minex juicer. That's a great name. Yeah, pay $3,000. Just think Um, of it as you buying a $6,000 juicer that has sound effects. Yeah. A custom juicer. So I started right before we recorded. I watched the first two episodes of the second season of the Preacher television show. Oh, nice. Um, it's interesting because uh, we are we're both super into the comic book Preacher. Yeah. I think you read them all and then handed them off to me and I down them. Yes. Um, and I don't know if we talked about it on the show at all, but... That is probably not my favorite comic book anymore, but I'll always love it because it's the comic book that got me back into comic books. Yeah. That's what started me buying the ridiculous amount of comics that I have right now. Um, and man, I, I love it so much. And I'm, I am amazed at how different the show is. It's very similar in tone. I think the things they get right about it are really, really good. Um, But it's amazing how different it is from the book and how okay I am with that, considering how much I love that book. And I'm a bit more not okay with it. And so needless to say, I think some mild spoilers for both the book and the show coming up but i don't i don't intend to say anything too crazy um mm. but just more print premise and like broad strokes um but no i i have too much of a problem or i have a decent problem with some of the differences and even like picking up this next season i like where they're going with it but there's still like there's just some aspects that i really don't care for that much um, yeah the thing i absolutely love and will keep me watching for a while at least is Cassidy. The guy they got to play Cassidy is fantastic. And they struck gold with that guy. He is fan. He's just awesome. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I, I like every scene with him, even if he's like, even if for whatever reason, like he's sort of out of character as far as the books, I, I just really, really like that dude. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's keeping me, interested and that's keeping me enjoying it like that's saying i'm not trying to say that i hate it by any means but um it's it's hard because i feel like one of the biggest aspects of the comic book is the love story uh Mm -hmm. and i don't feel like they're they're off to a very different not good start i think with that love story um yeah like in the comic book uh you know, the basic idea is that Jesse had to leave this girl like for her own safety and he left her without telling her. And then she finds him and he's like so happy to be back with her, but there's, it's still complicated. But in the show, it's like he left her on purpose and she shows back up and he's like, uh, like he doesn't even care. He wants her out of his life. Like, and it's it's too like it, the the foundation they're laying down now can't go where it needs to go i think to be like 
their love story in the comic is like it's just a guarantee you know um Mm -hmm. and it's a good solid like over the top love story where even throughout all this craziness it's like one of the things you know is not going to change um and so then i think having this like weird doubt from the get-go in the show sort of hurts that hurts its position yeah um and just places that the love story takes him in the story like i i know based on at least something i saw in like this first episode i know they're going to go down those roads and i'm excited about them but they're going to have to approach them differently yeah um and that'll be interesting yeah there are things like i don't think it's a i don't think it's a perfect show for sure um and one of the things i don't like again is the love story and the way they're handling it at least in the beginning here um and it's because the love story in the comic is like legitimately i don't care about a lot of love stories but that is one of the greatest love stories i've ever been a part of yeah um so the way that they're going about it is like i catch myself being like man they're not going to hit this moment or this moment or this moment because it's already like they like each other already. They're already friendly with each other. And so I don't know how they're going to get there. But what my guess is, and this isn't based on anything I've seen further than where you are. So don't worry about me being right. spoilery. My guess is that they're going to create a, a divide in the show because in the book, it happens before the events of the book. So I can imagine that they'll create an event in the show that divides them and then they'll have to come back together and it'll be like an epic struggle again. But I don't know. Like it's just, it just is kind of weird for me to see them being really like in love with each other in the beginning here. Um, But even then there's like the show starts with, there's like a will they or won't they aspect. And mm -hmm. I think that's what I don't like is because in the comic it's like, there's no question it's more like a will they be able to you know um and so this like back and forth is kind of weird um also the other main thing that really bugs me is uh is jesse's like actual commitment to being a preacher um Mm -hmm. really throws me off yeah um it's not uh yeah it's just I, I wish it would go away. Like, I wish he would just completely abandon it. Like, his whole sense of purpose and stuff, it's, like, heading on the right track, but there's still, like, part of it is connected to because of all the parishioners he had and because of all the people that he was connecting with as a preacher, he feels like he needs to, you know, go down this path and stuff. But I wanted to yeah. just be because, like, that's one thing I love about Jesse is his, like, unfaltering manliness that is Mm. it is bad like it gets him in trouble and it is not actually a good trait but it's still like i enjoy that aspect of his character and i feel like we don't necessarily get to see a ton of that so far yeah um so there's there's yeah i have problems with it um i i had a lot of issues with season one and then uh i i really liked the way season one ended um, yeah, and so I'm 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 giving it a shot. I'm seeing where it goes. Like, and and a lot of that is that this show has gets a lot of fucking goodwill for me for Cassidy because he is great. The show is, I think the show remains fun. 
And that's the the baseline because one of the things I think they nail that's super important is the sense of humor. Um, and it's just the right balance of like, it's it doesn't go too grotesque and it doesn't, it, it pulls their punches right at the exact right moment where it, it is all this dark humor. But it's dark humor that you can, it's easy to laugh at. It's not just fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. Um, and so that's one thing from the book that I'm glad translated really well, because you could easily make this super vulgar and turn a lot of people off. Right. Um, but they, I think they managed to hit it and, you know, characters like Cassidy sell that really well. Um, so you watched the first two episodes of season two. Yeah. What did you think of how it started? Um, I liked how it started. I liked a lot how it started, actually, because mm-hmm. that was uh, one thing I didn't care for with the first season was that, like, you know, for all intent and purposes, like, before the book starts and everything, like, Jesse is a bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. And they hinted that in this in the first season stuff, but it's much more like... He's like, no, I left that life behind. You know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm I'm a preacher and I'm saving this stuff. And so I didn't like his like righteousness. Um, mm. And then in this one, I really like the very beginning because they're getting pulled over by the cops. And he's like, Tulip's pulling over and she's going to try to talk her way out of it. And he's like, or, you know, we could do. And she's like, I don't have a lot of gas. And I was like, oh, shit, are they going to have a fucking car chase? Like, And so the fact that they have a car chase for fun. I loved because that was like, that felt like old Jesse and Tulip from the comics. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. I'm still, my jury is still kind of out on the Santa killers. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where they go with them. Yeah. But it's just, I love the Saint. You love him. Yeah. I think they got the right fucking, uh, actor to play him. He, he looks great and he is like, the way they do the sound design and everything, he is very imposing and physical and just mean. And like, I believe it when they are trying to sell him, it's this really powerful guy. Um, and also the way that he comes on the scene in season two, the way that like his bullets sound from far away and the impact yeah. that they have when they hit everything is just, it all feels completely right. Um, and it is just like this dude who just, appears out of nowhere and just creates chaos wherever he goes and and he does it at the speed of like walking speed he's just this pure thing that can't be tamed he's this physical force of nature and they they got that really well um what what is it that's your reservation about him um i nothing major like i just think he's he's one of the more like fantastical over the top parts in the book um, mm-hmm. even his like character design, like just his face, he looks like an impossibly grizzled old cowboy. Um, yeah. and so seeing a real person as him, he's not, he's not impossibly grizzled. And so it's not really anything I think they necessarily could have done better. It's just not quite as, uh, in my face. And maybe that's, yeah. I want it to be more so. And one thing I couldn't remember from the books is, uh, and I, this is, this is absolutely me getting nitpicky at this point. Um, but I thought he didn't miss. Like I thought he couldn't miss. That was one of his things. And he misses a lot, uh, 
in that first scene. Um, yeah. Uh, that was the whole point of his, like, his special guns, sort of, was that they always find their target. Um, yeah, but it's like, in the show, are they going to do that mythology? I they, want How them much to are they going to put behind Desperately. It, That's the know? thing. I, I absolutely want them to. Um, you know, they the show did spend a lot of time showing him, like, traveling to and from, uh, like that town and all that stuff. Like they, they did mm-hmm. already give his backstory a decent investment. And so I would, I, and the investment they gave was boring, like for, for viewers. And so I think if they didn't go further with it and show him in fucking hell and everything, like they would, there would be a problem. Like, I think, yeah. I think they would be missing out. Obviously that increases that those episodes are probably going to be pretty budget heavy, but I think they'd be worth it. Like I'll, I'll be bummed if we don't get to see big glimpses of heaven and hell in this show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that is the thing. Like immediately, immediately in the book, you see heaven. Uh, and it's just like, it's not in the show at all yet. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if, if, and when they go there, but I, I like it so far. Um, some of the like, well, I won't say too much, but I, I am into it. The last like few episodes have been really good. Yeah. So I'm current with it. So I, I like, I'm trying to like separate that as like, it's not going to be the book. And I already know that like these first few episodes have really kind of nailed that home. Uh, so I'm trying to like it based on its own merits. And then when it does stuff from the book, well, like when certain characters get to come in and, and they're like, oh shit, this is this character. Like I get really overly excited. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just trying to take it at its own merit. Yeah. No, and I'm trying to do that too. I'm just not as good at it. Um, I get, you know, I'm a nerd. Yeah. And I'm that sure. kind of nerd. But that's the thing is like, you don't, it's a fine balance because you don't want it to be like Sin City where you, you like, you can right. literally know what line and what scene is coming up next. Yeah, God, I was so bored with Sin City. Um, but what do you, what do you think is like the perfect balance as far as like things that you've seen translated to screen from books? Um, I actually think Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy did it really well. Um, Mm -hmm. and part of that though, cause I didn't think so at the time, but I also was in high school. So I was more willing to lean into, you know, nerdy elitism. Um, -hmm. uh, that story hitchhiker's guide started as like a short story and then, or it started as a radio drama and then it was rewritten as a short story and then it was rewritten as a book. Like, so it's gone through a bunch of interpretations and each one supposedly has been different. And so, the movie like it made me very much okay with with the differences because it was just a new medium for this story it wasn't supposed to be the same thing um and uh and i just genuinely i like that movie it's it's at this point i i like it a lot like i think i did not like it when i first saw it in school but i think it's a good adaptation um and what else What do you think? That's hard. Um, I like when things um see I'm I'm leaning 
I want to go away from the Sin City. Like I like when things kind of take the source material and capture the essence of it, but do something different with it. So in a, in a sense, I like Preacher because I still feel like it captures everything I like about the book, but it's telling obviously telling a different story with these characters. It's not always exciting and it's not always the way I want it to be. But uh, I like that. Like, I want to get away from the Sin Cities and, and like, the Watchmen's, you know. They're just, like, let's just chop it up and make it as presentable as possible. Um, I think when you get something like, like what Christopher Nolan did with Batman, where Batman Begins is obviously inspired a lot by Year One, Frank Miller's book. Yeah. And there's scenes in that movie that are uh, evocative of picture of images from that book, but they're not exactly the same. Um, and it's, the story's not even exactly the same. Some of but them are like can... are some of the scenes are almost exactly the scenes out of the book. But still, I I agree with everything you're saying. Like it's like when yeah. he summons all the bats and shit. Like mm-hmm. that's you know it's a different situation but it's like the exact same thing pulled from it but yeah it's it's not the same story they just use some of the great shit yeah and even in dark knight that pulls from multiple stories um yeah when someone can take a story distill it down to its pure essence and create a new fresh story out of it that kind of demonstrates that you know what you're talking about when you're like, I know this character, I know what's cool about him and I know how to do this in a way that the audience can see and get excited about, but then I can present something new to them that catches them off guard. Um, and that'd be fun. Um, or you can be Zack Snyder and not understand what people like about characters at all. Well, I think Zack Snyder understands perfectly well what he likes about those characters. Um, but maybe not what fandom likes about him. But I mean, who are we to judge? Cause those movies made a shitload of money. So, um, yeah, but that's, we are, we get to judge them. Making yeah. money is not an indicator of good quality. Yeah. I mean, it is an indicator that the people are liking it. No, it's an indicator that people are willing to go see it. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing you and I, are part of that figure. Most people I've talked to who saw that movie are a part of how much money it made and also hated it. Um, anyway, we don't need to get into those movies again. Um, sure. I agree with what you're saying, but I think that's my thing with preachers. I'm not, I, I can't figure out if I think it has the essence or not. Um, yeah. And that's what I keep trying to ask myself is like, what is it I love about preacher? And it's hard to tell. And I think, honestly, what I love about Preacher is just the story. I love the story mm-hmm. of Preacher. Um, it's an interesting premise, but that premise is not what makes that story good. It What makes it good is just that it's a really good story. And so, unfortunately, when you make big changes to that story, like, I can't trust it. Um, because what I loved was just the tale. Uh, whereas with, like, Batman and, and with superheroes and stuff, we've read so many stories with them that it's like we've grown to just there's particular character traits that we like and, you know, particular things we like to see, but it's not so much one start to finish tale that we're so in love with. Um, but so I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm still watching it and I'm going to keep watching it for a bit, but I'm not, 
I'm not in love with it like I was in love with the books. Um, and I know I won't be. So I'm trying to, I am trying to enjoy what I can out of it. I don't think I'm in love with it either, but I just, I do like it. I, I, you know, I obviously like it more than you're enjoying it. Um, but the thing that works for me the most about it is that it's the character relationships between Jesse Cassidy and Tulip is as long as that is true to what I know from the comics, I think they could take the story wherever they want to. Like I, you care more about that story and I care more about like do Jesse Tulip and Cassidy, are they recognizable from the book and are their relationships playing the way that I think they should? And to me, they are, it's just happening differently. Um, yeah, there's some there's some weirdness in season two that we could talk about when you get there, but overall, I'd like it. Yeah, I don't love it. Like I love the book, but I think that's kind of impossible to capture yeah, that. That's true. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about is I have uh, gotten a product, and I've been using it this week, and boy, oh boy. Have I been enjoying the fuck out of it? Okay. It's a little product. It's called a a fleshlight, right? No, not at all. You're not the first person to make this fucking joke to me. And I don't know what it is about me. Do I give off a a vibe or aura like I use fleshlights or something? It's just that the way you intro this product without me knowing what it is, it makes me start thinking what kind of hilarious, embarrassing product could I, could I say before he actually tells (laughs) me what it is? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the lead up i just yeah. got this thing and it's made my life a bunch better and blah 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 and so that makes me then start to open up like okay there's a joke opportunity here what could it be and also i just want to know some of the flashlight yeah so i can borrow it <laughs> it's a bar theirs that they've used yeah some cross-contamination there um no, it's a it's a wonderful magical product, and I swear that we don't have sponsors on the show. The way I'm talking about it, you would think. Uh, but it is a magical product called Poopery. Yeah, have Poo-Pourri you used this stuff? Is awesome. Poopery is spectacular, and I don't understand why this isn't more commonplace. Actually, I'm seeing it in a lot of actual stores recently. Yeah. Um. So we got some for Christmas actually last year, or maybe the year before. Uh, in Richmond, and mm-hmm. then uh, it uh, it exploded in our luggage, and we never actually got to use it Damn. at home. Um, why don't you tell the fine people what poopery is? Let me tell you what poopery is. So if you're like me, when you go to poop, you could probably clear a house, and I definitely could. And it's even uncomfortable for me sometimes when I get done pooping and I leave the bathroom and I smell it still in the other room. And I'm like, you know what, this I'm about to move in with the love of my life and I cannot scare this woman away. So I got to do something about this. And then I've heard about poopery. I was like, this this is it. If this does not work, my relationship will fail. So I got it. And thank God. The sweet Lord I don't believe in that the fine people who made this shit know, knew what they were doing. Because let me tell you what happens is you go to the bathroom, you get your poopery bottle, you take the little cap off, and then you spritz the water five times. 
and then you're smelling. I got the lemon flavored, so it smells like a lemon custard pie or something like that, you know? And it's filling up the room, and I'm like, this is great, but is it just going to smell like aerosol when you spray? It's just going to smell like lemon and shit mixed together? I don't know. I hope not. And I sat down, and I let the ass-spewing mayhem ensue, and it covered it up. I couldn't smell it at all. Once that poop was out of my asshole and in the water... You wouldn't even know that I took a shit and I take some powerful shits. And so the concept, it, the poopery, by the way, has an amazing commercial on the internet if you haven't watched it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the concept is that it creates like a barrier over the water of this nice smelling stuff. So when your poop goes into the toilet, it uh, is sealed under this barrier. So it doesn't stench up. Um Poopery is amazing, but here's here's what I have to say about it, Keith. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be honest because that's the point of this show. Uh, sometimes I like to revel in how bad my poop smell. Yeah. Um, and I like other people to have to revel in it too. Uh, <laughs> when some when I take a horrible dump and then someone says, "Oh my god, it smells horrible in there," I'm like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," but I'm not that sorry. Like. <laughs> I feel kind of great that it smells so terrible. Um, yeah. And I can't, I don't think I'm alone in that sentiment. And so You're like a little nasal terrorist. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like having a good stinking fart, but it's like you can reach depths with a poop that you can't reach with a fart most of the time. Um, it's true. And so what I, where I think personally in my home where poopery belongs is in the guest bathrooms and maybe it belongs in our regular bathroom too. But to me, it's, it's only something I will use if I, if I feel the need to be, to put on airs, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but I think having it in guest bathrooms is great for those people that are uncomfortable with their poop stink and would never want anybody to smell it. Um, you know, there's a lot of complexes out there about poop, so I don't want, I think it's a great product to help people who would be worried, oh, should I have to take a dump at my friend's house? What if they stole my poop? Like, they can help protect. Um, or in crowded situations. Like, it is an amazing product, and we do need to get some more at some point. But um, for my own personal poops, when I'm not, you know, too concerned, uh, I'm not going to use it. See, it's beyond concern at this point, because it, it started off as concern. Like... My poop, I believe, maybe this is me being arrogant, but I believe my poops are powerful enough to make this woman break up with me. Um, but I used it. I'm like, this shit works. And then I just enjoy the smell. So now I just, I like using it. It's both arrogance about your poops and like self-degradation about your value <laughs> as as a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which part yeah. to argue with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I struggle with it every day. <laughs> God, I'm such a piece of shit, but my shits are incredible. I'm a piece of shit, but my pieces of shits are the best part about me. So I don't know sh- what to do here with this, this piece of shit. Drops the best pieces of shit that there ever were. Um, have you yeah, used wanna... a squatty potty? I would love to use a squatty potty. I think that they're. A great invention. However, I was like, this looks great. I think I could just do this myself. And I just use my toolbox as a squatty potty. That's right. 
and it, wor- it works perfectly. It does. I mean, it I doesn't think... have the aesthetic charm. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. I don't think it's going to fly when I move into my new place with my girlfriend because she's probably not going to want to have a, a toolbox sitting by the toilet all the time like like I do. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'll probably might get one when we move in together. There, I've used one a couple times, really liked it. I mean, it's exactly the same as using a toolbox, but... Uh... It's it's a, it's just another one of those internet marketed poop solutions, mm-hmm. um, and so I was wondering if you had an opinion. But yeah, it's changed my life in the poop game. They're pretty good. There's three things I've done to make my poops better: makeshift squatty potty, poopery, uh, using uh, wet wipes when you when you finish Dude, up. Dude, butt wipes are. I think butt wipes are the biggest game changer. But they're really not a game changer because when you're a child, they use wet wipes on you all the time. And I don't know when someone decided it was time to stop using those because actual toilet paper, if you think about it, the meth- that method of cleaning your asshole out is highly inefficient and uh, not – it's just not good. Keith, like, we need to get ahead of the curve. What's another thing that babies do that we don't do as adults that we – could market diapers that uh, we p- certain adults do that no elderly do that we just need actual adult professional diapers oh, i don't think that so you can't you can't spout out how great it is to use a wet wipe to get every last drop of poop out of your butt and then tell me you want to walk around in your own poop and pee well the thing is i don't want to walk around in my own poop and pee but as a professional adult i want to get the maximum amount of work done in the least amount of time and i can't be wasting my fucking time going to the bathroom when there's work to be done no that's keith that's absurd i'm thinking like i don't know what do kids use it like sippy cups mm-hmm. um but we got yetis now yeah those are sippy cups um <laughs> breastfeeding can we bring back breastfeeding for adults if, yeah, but there's not. There can't be a person on standby to just breastfeed you whenever you need. Yeah, we it. have like a cafe, like a breastfeeding cafe, or just with a bunch of ladies. No, that lactating women work. I don't think that that would get. I don't think there's any way that couldn't get uh, sketchy. You know. Yeah. Because you have some pervs in there. Sure. And then you'd have like sketchy business practices. Mm-hmm. Where ladies get pregnant just so that they can uh, work at the lactation cafe, yeah. And then you're gonna have child neglect going on. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great idea, but I think that there'd just be too many negative side effects. So I'm gonna put a pin in this one. Yeah, I think that's for the best. Uh, what else? Yeah, lactation bar. There's something about the sound of that though that is just irresistible. I know. It would be huge. It would be you would cycle through employees though so quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, but it'd probably be a great way for like a new mom to make some quick bucks. Yeah, but they probably wouldn't uh, want to. No, because they got to use all that milk for their actual child. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's really sh- probably shameful. Well, I think the here's how you do it. 
is you run it it it's basically a glory hole for your boobs so the man never sees the person behind the wall there's just a tit that hangs out like a cow udder yeah and you just walk up and you take your fill and you get the fuck out is that more or less shameful though i think less because you don't know who's behind the wall yeah but like is it more shameful than like having a conversation with the person while you're like sucking on their tit yeah but the thing is if you like with the glory hole concept you are you're you are basically reducing your existence to just a lactating breast whereas Mm -hmm. uh if you are you know if it's if it's the whole person and the other whole person like you're not just lactating breast you are a source of comfort you know you cradle this person's head you it's a whole process like it takes more than just milky boobs to be a good lactation barista right um you need to also be comforting and be willing to like you know, you have to have a comforting presence and stuff. Um, oh shit! So and, this is like an escort service. No, it's, this is like a this is like a girlfriend experience. Except this no, is a new that's the thing, born that baby experience. In its in its purest conceptual form, there's nothing sexual about this. Um, and that's one of the the pitfalls. Though, I think is it would be very difficult to keep it an asexual experience. Well, I'm not, say, I'm not saying it's supposed to be a girlfriend experience like in a sexual manner. It's just you're trying to replicate the experience of having a girlfriend in the same way that you're trying to replicate the experience of having a motherly figure. No, that's, that's yeah, it's not a girlfriend experience. It's a motherly experience. It's it's right. to try to replicate the feeling of, of being nurtured and of being, uh, and of, like, when, when you're a baby at your mother's breast, like, there there is no bad in the world um Mm -hmm. and that i think is the feeling that you're trying to invoke so you've got low light you've got a very comfortable place you know i don't know if you'd have private rooms or not private rooms would probably help encourage the sexual nature but it might also help encourage the intimate nurturing feeling yeah um yeah there's private rooms but there's bouncers that hang out on the outside in case any funny business goes on and there's cameras in every room so you yep. know that you're everything's being recorded but that's i mean you just described the private rooms in a strip club like that doesn't keep anything from being sexual yeah um now here's my big question when you're sitting there and you're getting your milk on are you like sitting in an oversized rocking chair i think what's the aesthetic here i think probably we're talking a lot of beanbag chairs um mm. so that you could sort of create a cushion system for what for you know for each person yeah um yeah they big beanbags um maybe beds So it's more of a lounge then. It's not a bar anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lounge is probably a better way to word it. Is this what what hours of operation are we talking here? This isn't the late night scene, I don't think. Um, and you're then you're just really encouraging weirdos to get in there. Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be fairly typical hours. I think like nine to nine to nine. Hmm. Or maybe ten to ten. Ten to ten. Like, as you'd get a lunch crowd. Yeah. 
And then you'd get an after work crowd. So you don't need to be there that much before lunch. Yeah. So maybe even 11. See, now here's my thing is the amount of milk produced by a mother's breast, I think is enough to fill up a kid, but probably not enough to fill up an adult male. So maybe being open until from like nine not all the way from like 10 to eight maybe because then well even maybe before that maybe cut it off at six because then that's dinner time so they're getting like a little appetizer well see then that's the goal isn't like sustenance and maybe here's a thought maybe this is appointment based Mm -hmm. and so you know people will find their uh their nursers that they prefer and they'll make appointments with them and so then the nurser will know, like, okay, I've got, you know, X amount of people a day. And, yeah, I don't know exactly how much the, how how much they'll be able to produce. And so they'd have to schedule them accordingly to their uh, capabilities. Yeah. So it, it would have to be, I think, a cross between going to, like, Massage Envy and going to the cat, the bunny ranch from cat house the series no see i don't want i don't want anything i don't want any bunny ranch stuff keith i know i'm not saying anything sexual about it i'm just saying the business model of it like they they go and i'm sure that the customers that come in get screened in some way for like weird shit uh and you can just like kind of go around and pick who your cuddle buddy is going to be and there's like a back private room and it's got cameras and stuff and it's it's understood so there's no funny business. Yeah. I'm thinking more like I'm thinking more clinical, like like a psychiatrist's office. Yeah. But with more than one psychiatrist, so like a firm. Anyway, I think there's too many negatives, so I don't I think like I said even though we just flesh the idea out more. Yeah. I don't think the that the world can handle it. So we're going with your what? idea, diapers. Yeah, cool. Professional diapers. That's what I'll call them. I don't um, want them to get confused with children's diapers or elderly diapers. They're professional diapers. Oh, if we wanted to sound hip and modern, we'd call it diapers, but there's no E. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's like taking the E out of an ER is the most popular thing to do. Is it? Type R's. Yeah. Hmm. Tumblr, imager, flicker. Flicker's a thing, right? I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. I'll put together some prototypes. What we'll just sell people is regular underwear. And then when they get mad, we say the secret was in you the whole time. And then they'll be happy. (laughs) We'll be selling self-confidence. And the package of diaper R. Cool. Um, I got super tired in the last 10 minutes. Okay. So I think it's made made for some interesting (laughs) talk. I think the thing that got me so tired was my extreme sense of being satisfied. 
Mm, that would do it. Yep. So sorry up at- for putting all you guys to sleep at work. With our, no. With our chat. You go ahead and hit us up at the usual spaces. Spaces. Places. Things. I guess there's spaces too. Subscribe, uh, like, comment, tweet, tort, add, master. Yeah. On iTunes and Podbean and Google Play maybe. I'm trying to get it up there, but it's being a lot more complicated than I thought it was. I thought it was up. Apparently it's not. You should go to google.com and type in uh, uploadpodcast.com. Um, you know what? Actually, someone sent me a screenshot of their Google Play thing and the episodes were up on it. I don't know. I'll investigate. If it's not up there for you, I'm trying. Maybe just my see. friend just, just doesn't know what she's doing neither. Maybe. We'll see. Um. So, yeah. Take good poops. Buy all those products I told you about. But don't just, forget to you know. revel in Poop Classic. Poop Classic, yeah. You Every know. now and then you got to remind yourself of what you're saving yourself from. You got to poop Poop Classic, no poopery, no squatty potty. It's got to come out terribly and uh, just pure toilet paper. Do no you wet use wipes. a toolbox every poop? For all my poops? Yeah. Generally, yeah. Because even if it's not like a big or one that feels like an epic poop, it generally just makes it come out smoother See, yeah, every time. I want a squatty potty. I've only used it once or twice at someone else's house, and I loved it. The thing is, it is the way we're supposed to be pooping. Yeah. So It's in the Bible. There's no reason to not use it every time. Enjoy your poops, everyone. Yes, please do. <laughs>